think everybody on the planet has their own version of magic that they perform. Whether they're business bros who think, you just go for it, you take a risk. You know, if you're not making $50,000 a month, what are you even doing living? Why are you breathing? You know, (laughs) like that's that's a magical, that's magical thinking. Like, right, Mm -hmm. you're just going to ambition it. Hello and welcome to Revel, a collection of Realm's comedies, dramedies, and rom-com oddities. My name is Rhoda. I'm a producer at Realm. And I'm Pia Wilson. And I wrote, If I Go Missing, Witches Did It. Stay tuned after the episode for more discussion between me and Pia. Stay tuned. (laughs) Here is episode four of If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It. We'll be back just after this. We are certainly in no shortage of options when it comes to shopping. And honestly, that's kind of become part of the experience. Wading through a sea of choices, the excitement of finding that one thing that checks all your boxes, the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Because at the end of the day, even the perfect purchase can be made even better with great deals. And that's where Rakuten comes in. Rakuten helps you get the brands you love with the most savings and cash back. You can start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Levi's, Kiehl's, and Petco, and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The concept is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. It's truly a win-win, because you can shop all these amazing brands in one place and save money while you do it. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Log, July 11th. I started to say the apology I had rehearsed in the car, but Karma was not having it. She went to close the door and I stuck my foot in to stop it from closing all the way. I joked that we might be in a romantic comedy. She did not laugh. I get that you were trying to help me, one sister to another. I recognize that I was terrible to both you and the amazing women at brunch. I'm not used to that kind of unity and I- You need to find unity elsewhere. Find another so-called sister to socialize with and show out with and pester. 
I told you I was over it, and I meant it. Move your foot and leave my property. She tightened her robe. I pulled my foot back, and she immediately closed the door. She didn't slam it, though, which I took as a sign of progress. I snuck around the side of the house to see if I could see inside. My horoscope this morning had warned me to not be impulsive, but that didn't stop me. I thought about Carmen making my skin color fade. That didn't stop me either. Lots of weird shit has happened here in Bedford. With every step, there were more noises and they were becoming more distinct. At first, I thought it might be the four goddesses eating a late brunch and drinking champagne. Nope. These were moans and heavy breathing. No wonder Carmen was giving me the brush off. She was about to get laid, and I was like, well, booty over brunch. Then I heard Brooke's voice. Brooke? And Carmen? I wouldn't have pictured them together, but okay. Maybe two alphas would work out. I peeked around the corner because, well, I mean, I'm only human. And holy shit, Carmen, Brooke, Mommy Megan, and Bibi were together after all. Each of them was lying on a rattan chaise lounge to the north, south, east, and west of the fire pit in the middle. They weren't fucking each other. They were fucking themselves. They all had their eyes closed. Their bodies were naked and sweaty. A lit fire pit in July will do that. Manicured hands were sliding up and down and all around their manicured vaginas. Mommy Megan was already slipping her fingers inside herself. Brooke was squeezing both of her nipples. She was as aggressive as I expected. I almost giggled when I saw Bibi because her arms are almost too short to reach her vagina. Carmen was so graceful, I felt like I was watching a ballet. Megan said she was close and everything got a lot more hectic. Lots of writhing and arched backs. As they orgasmed, they all screamed out things that they wanted. Brooke, so vain. Twenty million sales. Carmen, always the capitalist. Mommy Megan was torn. My own baking show on the Food Network, and now a Fifty million dollar expansion of our distribution hub. Of course, BB wanted more space to store books that weren't mine. The fire in the pit screeched to a dangerous height, and each woman's desires were spelled out in smoke. This was real magic. I turned around and ran back to the car. What else could these women do? Then I thought about my vision last night. I was supposed to work with them in their circles. Does that mean being a witch like them? Realm presents, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, Episode 4. When I got back to Great Uncle Felix's house, I forgot that Victor and I were in a cold war. I wanted to tell him about the witches, but when I got inside, I found him sitting in the living room, severely depressed. 
His eyes were wet and his nose was red. Oh. I'm so sorry, babe. Please, please forgive me. I'd never seen him like this before. I was wondering if he was just starting to process his grief over Felix's death. Maybe our argument triggered feelings of loss. I started to feel like such an asshole. But then he started paraphrasing Shakespeare. (sighs) Tis but my name that is thy enemy. What's Richardson? It is not hand nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part. What's in a name? Then he started saying he felt so bad for making me feel bad about risking his quote-unquote stupid family reputation. And it clicked in my head. The spell I had done worked! I didn't tell him about the four witches formerly known as goddesses right then. He started kissing me, and makeup sex was on the horizon. And I was feeling a little horny after the scene at Carmen's house. I'll just leave it at that. I was very distracted. Mm. Poor Jenna has lost her mind. My God, sex magic? I know that sometimes bipolar people become fixated on sex or religion. I researched symptoms of the disorder when I was 17 to see if I was bipolar, but it turned out I was simply experiencing regular teenage hormones. She does, however, have a way with words, no matter what is going on in her mind. I will admit that I was the tiniest bit turned on by the masturbatory scene Jenna described. Hmm. Does that mean I'm a lesbian? (laughs) Just because I haven't been satisfied in any way by a man, even Hamilton Greer, who had perfect hair and a superior penis... That doesn't mean I have the right to claim someone else's sexuality, right? Though sexuality is fluid. No, no, okay, I absolutely must concentrate. Come on. Jenna's recording may provide me with an opportunity to talk about the need for more mental health resources in the Black community. I have heard that African Americans have a cultural distrust of therapy. I should confirm via Google search. Okay, big question. Is it my place as a white woman to talk about mental health issues among black people? Yes! <laughs> I am here to help after all. Of course. I, who says that help should stop with Jenna? I can host a special podcast series at a legitimate news organization, give space to experts of color... They can help unpack why Jenna really believes those four women are witches. Brooke, Carmen, and Megan never even went through a goth period in high school. But on the other hand, what happened to believe black women? What should I do? Maybe Carmen can clarify things for me. Even though I arrive unannounced at Carmen's home... I had the good sense to bring a gift. Jenna's recordings said Carmen had an affinity for the organic cremes from the 13th house. Holding a ribboned bag of her favorites, I've never felt more confident that someone would be pleased to see me. Carmen invites me in straight away. 
I follow her into the living room, taking note of the bright and airy contemporary pop interior design of her space. There's a lovely Latin top note to her decor. It manages to be colorful, yet not gaudy. Kudos, Carmen. I look away from the lighting fixtures in the ceiling, and my eyes fall on Brooke. I remember what Mommy Megan told me about Brooke's temperament during her creative periods, and how mean Brooke was sometimes in high school, when she'd tease me about my hair, skin, clothes, you name it. Even being a virgin for so long. Carmen commands me to sit. Nervousness bubbles up in the form of inappropriate laughter. <laughs> My grandmother calls them titters. <laughs> I refuse to use such a word. Brooke comes over to me, bends down, and gives me a kiss on both cheeks. I'm not high school Elise anymore. Now both she and Carmen are standing, and I, I don't know if I should do the same. I'm in a very vulnerable position here. They could devour me if they wanted to. They don't. After Carmen settles in, I bring up Jenna. Delicately. They look at each other briefly, and I think I've made a mistake. Is this tea poisoned? Was Jenna right? Well, not about these women being witches, but about them being dangerous. Listen. I experienced what a troubled person Jenna was firsthand. I made every attempt to help her, and my efforts went unrewarded. Given how erratic she was all summer, it was no surprise to any of us that she ran off. Went missing. They look at each other again. I don't like that. Jenna was obsessed with us, Carmen and Bibi in particular. We know she wanted to write a book about us being influencers and how we don't do any real work. They explain to me what a baseless accusation it is. Not only do they have to build their own businesses, but they have to create content for their followers, grow these followers. We engage with them. Brooke explains, etc. I've heard this before. I still find it hard to have sympathy. There are people in this world who work in coal mines every day. I suddenly find myself mesmerized by the red garter belt peeking out from behind the slit in Brooke's long black linen dress. It's playing hide-and-seek with me as Brooke shifts in her chair. Pay attention, Elise. The term witch has been used throughout history to rob women of their power and success. Brooke says passionately. Her biceps are just gorgeous. So defined, yet soft. But how did we get on the topic of witches? How did they know Jenna accused them of being witches? I'll have to research the politics of women and witches later. And for another black woman to try and rob me of my power and discount all of my hard work as a black influencer in the beauty and wellness space was even worse. I already have to work twice as hard as white women in the same industry. I pull a tissue from my Falabella tote and hand it to her. She puts it in her pocket. Look at how strong she is. She won't even let herself cry in front of me and Brooke. I wish I was that strong. I retrieve another tissue for myself. 
Please excuse me. I don't want my white lady tears to derail the conversation. Brooke reaches across the side table between our chairs and rubs my shoulder. I look into her icy eyes and then my eyes dart to that red hot garter. I can feel the heat building in my nether regions. <laughs> I make my excuses and leave before I leap out of my seat and passionately kiss Brooke right on the mouth. Yeah, sexuality is definitely fluid. <laughs> Log, July 12th. I finally got Victor to sleep around 3 a.m. It was disturbing to see him crying so much. That was my first lesson in the consequences of magic, I guess. This morning, in one of the spare bedrooms, I tried to do sex magic solo style, like I saw the coven do. It felt awkward as hell probably because I caught a glimpse of Colonial Jenna in the mirror as I was touching myself, and that really just killed the vibe. Point of growth? I'm starting to get used to Colonial Jenna. I mean, I grabbed my laptop and got the hell out of that house as fast as I could, but I did not scream. I can only guess she's relieved that Victor and I made up. I went to the bagel shop in town. Victor told me before we even came up here that they were the best bagels in all of Westchester. I like them, but they weren't as good as Brooklyn bagels. I'm compelled to say that about every bagel outside of BK. But here, I like that the guy behind the counter didn't want to chat when I put in my order. Just in and out. It eased my homesickness. I miss my local bodega and Kaleem, the guy who owns it. He makes the best chopped cheese anywhere and smoke Lucy's with Victor every evening outside the shop. I tried to do my sex magic research while eating my egg bagel, but people started piling into the shop and I felt self-conscious. So instead, I looked up Great Uncle Felix's house. I know that they insist that the Richardsons never had slaves, but how is Colonial Jenna connected? I understand how crazy this sounds, I just can't deny what I've seen. Ghosts and magic. Hmm. Maybe that's the book. Nobody would believe me, though. I'd ruin my career before I'd even got off the ground. When I lifted my head to take a sip of the bean water they call coffee in this shop, I spotted Dr. Hager walking past outside. I grabbed all of my things and shoved them in my messenger bag. Dr. Hager, hey, I just wanted to apologize to you for my behavior at brunch the other day. Tilting her head, Dr. Hager looked me up and down. She looked confused, and I briefly wondered if she was in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. It, it's me, Jenna Clayton, Systems of Capitalistic Oppression, remember? I came to brunch with Carmen. She smiled and smiled like a deranged marionette when I mentioned Carmen's name. I remember brunch with Carmen. Isn't she just wonderful? So beautiful and bright. She is going to be somebody. And then she walked off. It was so weird that I called Victor to tell him about it. Wait. What black lady luncheon? 
The one your mother is mad at me about? The one where I made a scene? You wanted me to pay Dr. Hager back for footing the bill for the whole thing. Oh, Dr. Hagar. My mom loves Dr. Hagar. Tell her the Richardsons send our best. You should get to know her, babe. My legs felt weak. When I heard wind chimes, I thought I was having a stroke. I was sure Carmen had done something. She'd done some kind of spell to make Dr. Hager and probably the other women forget all about me in the incident. She made Victor and I bet his mom forget about the incident too. I followed the sound. No one else on the street seemed bothered. By the time I got to the source, the 13th house metaphysical shop, I had my hands over my ears. I looked down at the sidewalk and saw a street art stencil that said, protect yourself. The chimes stopped. I went in. I roused the shop for something that would protect me when I went to confront Carmen for making people forget me. I milled around and finally decided on black tourmaline. Is that gonna protect me against a witch? I asked the counter girl while she was ringing me up. A real witch? When I said yeah, she huffed a laugh and said no. I almost left the tourmaline there, but I figured having it would be better than nothing. At the very least, I could throw the crystal at Carmen as I ran away. But the craziest thing was, when I walked out of the metaphysical shop, I couldn't remember why I was so angry. I didn't remember about Dr. Hager or Carmen or anything until I got back to the house and Victor asked me how my writing session at the bagel shop had gone. What the fuck is happening? How powerful is Carmen? Is the whole coven that powerful? The modified gossip spell worked on Victor. Maybe I can modify Carmen's skin-fading spell and give her a taste of her own medicine. Hey everyone, it's Kaylin, and I'm here to tell you that I'm so excited about eating better this year thanks to Factors Meals. These meals are delicious, ready to eat, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in two minutes, which is honestly the best part. There's 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto, so I'm always full and ready for my day. There's more than 60 different add-ons that I can choose to stay fueled up and feeling good all day long, and I love the variations, so it is helping me immensely. My favorite part is there's no prep and there's no mess, so that means that I don't have to think too hard about what I'm eating that day, and I don't have to clean up after, which is, like, amazing. They're flexible for my schedule so I can eat as much or little as I need depending on the week, how busy I am, and I can pause and reschedule my deliveries anytime it's not working for me. And bonus, it's cheaper than eating out, so you know I love that. Head to factormeals.com revel50 and use code REVEL50 to get 50% off. That's code REVEL50 at factormeals.com revel50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts.
Jenna is infinitely fascinating. I think an entire documentary could be made about her mentally disappearing herself before she physically did so. I consider calling Dr. Gingham to learn more about this kind of psychology. I pay her $250 an hour to analyze me. She can afford to assist me on this very important project. I dial Dr. Gingham's number. She might also help me understand my feelings about Brooke at Carmen's house. Wonderful. Now all I can think about are Brooke's long legs and her red garter belts. Ugh. What mysteries lie just above that garter, huh? I taste blood. Oh, gosh. Oh, I've bit my lip. Your call has been I hang up on Dr. Gingham's answering service and tend to my punctured lip. I can't stop thinking about Brooke. I'm surprised. You know, I, I would think Carmen would be more my type. Black women are just so beautiful. I try to think of Beyonce, but it's Brooke I see when I close my eyes. That garter Brooke was wearing, pressing into her toned thigh. I cross my legs and sit on my hands. It's getting humid in my underwear. I, I, I need to get back to work. Think of Jenna. I go into Jenna's contacts on the cloud. In my notes, she mentioned a friend named Joanne who is taking care of her plants. Maybe Joanne will have some tips to help me maintain my hydrangeas past this season. I call twice, but no one picks up. I leave her a voicemail saying that she should call me back because Jenna's gone missing. She calls me back immediately and accuses me of running some kind of scam. I tell her that I'm a good friend of Victor and Jenna's. How come I've never heard of you, Elise, if you're such good friends with Jenna? <laughs> Even if she really was missing, who are you to be the one calling? I hang up on her and text my apologies. Since Victor is going to hear about this violation of Jenna's privacy anyway, I have nothing to lose by calling her mother. Victor didn't mention reaching out to her. Maybe that's who Jenna ran to, though I don't know what their relationship is. I decide I'll be more delicate about Jenna being missing than I was with Joanne. I heard of this. You're trying to get some money from me? Mrs. Clayton, I would never- Aha! My last name isn't Clayton. My daughter's friends know that and they don't call! I am drowning in her contempt. I'm sorry. I'm really Jenna's friend. And a friend of Victor's, too. I'm going to check in with Victor, and if he doesn't vouch for you, I'm calling the cops. Anybody who really knows Jenna knows that she goes off sometimes to clear her head. That's just who she is. I know I can't put off doing damage control. I go downstairs and find Victor outside, grilling some vegetables for lunch. I tell him about the calls. He hangs his head and sighs. <clears throat> Look, I wish you hadn't done that. We don't need to alarm Jenna's mom just yet. I'm sorry, I really am. But they didn't seem all that worried. And I just thought they, they might have some insight into where Jenna's gone. I say not liking the whine in my voice. Strong women don't do that. Brooke would never. Wait, what? Why am I thinking about Brooke? This is not sexy time. Listen, when I met her family, they told me about the time Jenna went missing during a college trip to Europe. 
Everybody panicked. She was fine. She'd made friends with this band that was touring Italy. She came back after a couple of days, speaking more Italian than she could have learned in class. But Victor, she's not in college anymore. She's an adult, a pretty thoughtful one despite some eccentricities. Aren't you worried at all? Am I worried? I am worried, but I just feel like she's going to show up any day now. He says, pulling out a pack of cigarettes. Not a sexy habit. It's clear to me that if Jenna is going to be found, it's going to be by me. Victor is so in denial and so weak. Brooke would never let someone she loved go missing without doing everything in her power to find them. I just want to see her. I need to see her and tell her how I feel. Elise, do you understand what I'm saying? I can't stand the sound of his voice right now. I have to see my beautiful Brooke. Victor is still talking as I walk away. Log, July 12th. This evening, around 6, I went back to town to pick up a bottle of wine to help me and Victor relax. When I was followed around the store looking for a $10 red, I decided to chat up the clerk instead of getting offended. I told her that I'm a writer when she asked what I do for a living. Anything I would know? Her thick thumbs prepared to do a Google search on her phone for a title of mine. Not yet. My debut book is coming out next year. It's going to be about influencers and capitalism, I said, reading her face for any reaction to that subject. That's cool. The clerk said politely as she put her phone away. (sighs) Not good. I splurged on the $25 bottle. As I walked through town, I stumbled onto a lecture on the history of slavery in the area. Sign from the universe. Or maybe the spirit of Colonial Jenna led me there. I don't know. Ghost and magic. I'm in new territory. When historians throughout time speak of the hanging oak here, they were probably referencing several trees throughout Westchester used for hangings. Over time, the various trees were merged in stories into one tree called the Hanging Oak. This was probably a subconscious effort to minimize that dark history here in a place that considers itself fairly liberal. The more I listened to him, the more I became convinced he was wrong. I was suddenly sure that Colonial Jenna had led me there, and I know why. The Hanging Oak is real, and on Great Uncle Felix's estate. I wake up to find my phone vibrating in my pocket. Am I... where am I? Am I at the B&B? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. The town restaurant guide is on the desk across the room. The vibrating stops and starts again. I pick up. It's Sylvania. Good morning, Elise. I'm going to get right to the point. We love, love, love your piece on that artist, Brooke Gates. Super sexy. Huh? What is she talking about? I haven't done a piece on Brooke, have I? But we want gossip. Like, that's the assignment. I suggest you scrounge some up immediately. I look in the Dropbox I use to share files with work and listen to the recording posted there. Oh my god. 
My voice is drenched in desire. I keep telling Brooke how beautiful she is, how powerful her work is. I get goosebumps when I get to the part where she puts goggles on me so I can help her work. I get a flash of her mouth being so close to mine and how I leaned forward so they brushed together. Then her laugh as she walked away. Oh, why don't I remember more than that? Oh God, I put in an emergency call to Dr. Gingham. I think I'm having a case of transference regarding Jenna. Her obsessions are becoming mine. Oh, I've gone far too far. Far too far. Hello again. Welcome back. I'm Rhoda Bayessa, a producer at Realm, and I'm here again with the writer of If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, Miss Pia Wilson. We're here to chat about episode four, which is one of my favorite episodes. Let's talk about the orgasm scene, the magic, the magic <laughs> orgasm scene in four, which is um, just absolutely outrageous. And whenever, you know, whenever I want to, like, point somebody to, like, just a snippet that they should listen to, like, this is the one where I'm like, you should start this episode and then you will absolutely go back and listen from the beginning. So <laughs> the sex magic episode. A.K.A. the episode I told my family not to listen to. Okay. <laughs> You're not allowed to listen to this, but every other episode, you can listen to Just skip it. I was like, I know I'm an adult, and you're an adult, and you have been for quite a while, but just don't listen to this. Well, like all of your magic, it's not like totally made up. Obviously, it's like brought to a, a level that is like hyperbolic and humorous <laughs> and like kind of just like really heightened, right? But kind of, um, you know... Satirical. Setting an intention during an orgasm is like totally yeah. a thing, right? Like with yeah, all the scrapped. spells yeah. and stuff that I wrote, all the spells I wrote uh, have a basis in real spells. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like part of me is still that little girl that used to read like fantasy novels. I used to read about witches yeah. and fairies and making wishes on stars, you know. And so... Uh, kids don't listen to the sex magic episode. But <laughs> I did want to, mm-hmm. you know, give them an opportunity to be like, well, if I do this spell, I wonder if it will work. You know, like, just try it out and, like, create some, like, little witches out there who who might feel like, oh, I'm not alone. There's somebody like me out there. Like, again, not episode four. <laughs> like Right. But, but just the, in general. Like the <laughs> just in general. And the sex magic is grounded. Like that's something to do. Like, um, reading about it is hilarious. But the wants the wants of the covet, like a Vogue cover. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is the most ridiculous thing that everyone could want? Yeah, but like screaming it out during orgasm was like incredible <laughs> and uh, really silly. But you know, I wanted to ask about just like the magic in general, where mm-hmm. there's kind of a flip of it, um, where even if you don't believe in magic, there's like something to be said for like literally setting an intention, you know, right. like like just like a goal, right? Like saying it out loud or like thinking about it and meditating on it or whatever language we can use. It's like kind of like 
adjacent to spirituality or, right. or, or magic or, yeah, well, you know what I mean? Like, like you just think about a thing and you, like, admit to yourself that you want it. And, like, that's actually really powerful, too, right. <laughs> without the spell casting necessarily. I think everybody on the planet has their own version of magic that they perform. Whether they're business bros who think, you just go for it, you take a risk, you know. If you're not Psyching making $50,000 a month, what are you even doing living? Why are you breathing? You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's a magical, that's magical thinking. Like, right, you're just mm-hmm. going to ambition it. You're just going to ambition life. You're going to man life into submission, right? Then you have, like, women doing more traditional things. Like, if I put enough of this face cream on, it will erase all of my wrinkles mm-hmm. you know like that's not real life either that's magical thinking and then if you really want to get down to brass tacks like there's nothing on this earth that has been created by humankind that didn't start out as an idea first right so that idea was brought into the three-dimensional world that's a form of magic right so it's not a big leap to think, hey, if I write some names on a piece of paper, say yeah. a few words like an incantation, and then throw it down the toilet, you know, flush them away yeah. from me, or write uh, someone's name and put it in the ice cube tray so they'll leave you alone, like freeze their name in like the little water. That's not a big leap from thinking you can make $50,000 a month. (laughs) Or or if I just start this, like, YouTube channel or get a really hot TikTok video, I can become a rock star. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, you know, like, (laughs) that's magical thinking. Yeah. The average person is not even talented enough to make all those videos and in the first place, you know, yeah. like there's some kind of, there's a demand for creativity and talent. So that's magical thinking. Yeah. And even when you're just playing like the probability game, right? Yeah. Which is like, you're just like, you, me getting this person to leave me alone by putting their name in a little ice cube. It's just, is like, is, you know, is just as likely as me making this, you know? So it's like, I, it's fascinating. I get it. You know, like those, those, uh, (laughs) what do they call it? Um, Shooting your shot, right? Like all those bros on Twitter who bought the little blue check mark, commenting furiously underneath everything Elon says, right? Yeah. In the hopes that he'll be like, you citizen, I will pluck (laughs) you out of obscurity and give you a billion dollars. Like that's how fervent they are about it. Yeah. Like, that's magical thinking. I'm like, these people are not thinking about you. Stop. (laughs) Yeah, so true. It's okay. Okay, well, thank you so much for chatting as always. This has been a blast. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Revel. We'll see you next time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it with friends. You can listen ad-free by joining Realm Unlimited at realm.fm or Realm Plus on Apple Podcasts. 
You can also find more shows like this one by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. Revel is produced by Nicole Kreuter and Kaylin West. Associate produced by Devin Shepard. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio editing by Kaylin West and Sam Bagala. Theme music by Hashem Asadolahi. Featuring performances by Hashem Asadolahi, Josiah Lamb, Alan Ferber, and Mike Forzano. Theme music mixed by Justin Morell. Cover art by Jenny Cheng. This season of Revel is hosted by Rhoda Beyeza and Pia Wilson. You're listening to Revel, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement, as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It is a Realm original production, created and written by Pia Wilson, produced by Rhoda Beyeza and Haley Wagreich, executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap, directed by Amanda Rose Smith and Kaylin West, starring Gabare Sidibe, Sarah Natacheni, Aaron Landon, Len Klingeman, Tony D, Alba Ponce de Leon, Tiana Camacho, Jordan Bielski, Eli Gonzalez, and Andrew Lee. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Fred Greenhalgh. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Theme music by Hashem Asadolahi and Andrew Rowan. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi.